0: Hello, podcast listeners, and welcome to the 13th of November, 2022 Hong Kong Stories Podcast. I'm Rachel Smith. Traveling around Hong Kong is usually a joy. Compared to almost anywhere else on Earth, it's easy, fast, convenient, cheap, and mostly safe. Today, as we travel around Hong Kong, not leaning on any doors, we'll be listening to two stories containing modes of transportation. The first is from Leslie, which was told live in our June show. The second is from Conrad, which was told online for a presentation at Harrow School in Hong Kong. Before we get to today's stories, though, a huge thanks goes out to our loyal Hong Kong listeners. We hear you, Hong Kong, and we are listening. Thanks go out to our overseas listeners as well, in particular to former Patch, who was kind enough to leave us a five-star review that reads... An awesome way to understand Hong Kong and all its different aspects. Highly recommend. Thanks to you for taking the time to write such kind words. The next show is coming up fast. We have a collection of fantastic stories for you pulled together by the steady hands of Madeline on the theme of Say What? The show will be performed live at the Fringe Club, yes, the Fringe Club, on Wednesday, November 23rd, and tickets are already on sale through ArtMate. Find the links on our website too, hongkongstories.com. Hong Kong Stories. It's better than comedy. It's better than drama. It's real life. And now, with the first of our
1: stories today, here is Leslie. I used to own a car. And I used to live in a village in the New Territories. And I used to really enjoy the convenience of driving from the New Territories through the Eastern Tunnel on on the island for work every day. And if you've never lived in a village in the New Territories and had to to park a car, let me fill you in on the routine. Usually, you are given a designated parking spot. And each month, someone comes around and collects a monthly parking fee. And everything is (laughs) tickety-boo. But in this particular village, there were no designated parking spots, and no one was collecting any money, and there were more cars than spaces. And although there were no official parking spaces, there was a mysterious unwritten parking rule where some people always parked in a particular place, some people... Um, always left their car there all the time, never moved it. Some people had their own personal bollards keeping the space. Some people had their helpers sit on a chair in an empty space, keeping it free while they approached the village. Parking was at a premium. And each evening when I drove home, my strategy was to pray to the gods of parking. And if the gods of parking were smiling on me, then... I found a place to park in the village. And if they weren't smiling on me that day, the alternative was to park in a metered car park, a fair walk away, which meant that I had to keep going out the house and topping up the meter so I didn't get a parking ticket. Not convenient at all. And don't even talk to me about the weekends. If I found a parking space on a Friday, I dare not move my car the whole weekend for fear of losing my parking space, and I envisaged just driving around the whole weekend until it was Monday and I would drive to work again. So this particular Friday, driving home, entering the village, praying to the gods of parking, and they were smiling on me that day. I found a space quite near my house and I had to do this tricky manoeuvre, squeeze in, getting as near as possible to the wall. It was a tricky manoeuvre, but I was getting quite skilled at this. And as I left my car there, I was feeling quite smug. I'd found a place my car would be there for the weekend. But at the same time, I wasn't feeling that well. I had a bit of a headache, cold coming on. And I went home to my sick bed. On the Saturday afternoon, I was curled up on the sofa feeling sorry for myself, and I heard this commotion outside. I ignored it for a while, but it didn't subside. I looked out the window to see some men walking up and down near my garden fence on phones, talking to each other, looking towards my house. It's something to do with me. So I opened the front door, and they were delighted to see me. I don't know why. And then, in a conversation of some Cantonese, some English, pointing and hand signals, it was revealed that it was something to do with my car and I needed to get my car keys. So I pulled on some clothes to disguise the fact that I was still in my pajamas, still feeling ill, and I shuffled out, down the little path, round the corner to where my car was parked. And as I turned the corner there were a number of people congregated on the road next to my car. All of them had angry eyes burning into me. There were a group of local villagers, two policemen, a police car, some official-looking men from China Light and Power, their truck, a toolbox. And as I got closer, it was explained to me that the power in the village had gone off. It might have been for hours, I don't know. China Light and Power were called to fix the problem, but they couldn't fix the problem because as well as me parking really near the wall, I parked next to this big grey rectangular electricity box. You know, the one that has CLP, do not block access, painted on it in big letters, Uh, I was flushed red with embarrassment, couldn't catch anyone's eye, and the policeman was sort of directing me to my car. So I got in, and luckily there was some space behind me, so I was able to reverse two metres back, and that gave CLP access to the electricity box, and they fixed the problem quite quickly, and I left the scene head hanging low. I couldn't look at anybody. There was no cheering and no thank yous from those people on the street. And I went back home, continued to be ill. And when Monday morning came round, I, I still wasn't well enough to go to work, and I didn't drive my car that Monday. I didn't leave the house until mid-morning on the Tuesday, when I tootled off down the path around the corner to where my car was parked and as I got closer, there was something not quite right about my car, and I stood and looked at it. And from the, the boot over the back window, over the roof, in the fittings of the sunroof, over the windscreen, in the fittings where the windscreen wipers are, and over the bonnet was bubbling, flaking paint. And I stood and looked, confused, didn't know what to do, So I continued walking to the local police station and reported the incident. And the police brought me back in their car and we stood there in the same place we'd stood on the previous Saturday looking at this damage to my car. The police told me it was brake fluid that had been poured on my roof and it had run down over the paintwork and that's what was taking the the paint off and bubbling the, the paint on my car. I had really managed to tick someone off in the village. I had broken the unwritten rule of parking and I was punished. I had been taught a lesson and the lesson was, don't trust the gods of parking ever again.
0: gods can be a tricky bunch, especially ones that claim to help with parking. Life throws up all sorts of obstacles, and the next story is a testament to that. Conrad told this story for a presentation that was the end of a series of storytelling workshops in Harrow School here in Hong Kong. The audio was recorded through Zoom, though, so the sound quality isn't really great. But the story is, here is Conrad.
2: I think we can all agree that parents are supposed to be loving. They're supposed to be caring, supportive, attentive. At the very least, they should be able to remember that they have a child. So based on this criteria, I, like many others, have wonderful parents. Most of the time. It all started when I was 10 years old, back in the good old year of 2016, and I was sent off to a three day training camp to be part of the army. It was part of this much hated school trip. To do this, I remember they told us to think, what would life be like if our parents had disappeared? Why? To make us cry, I assume, to make us feel the pain of loss. I remind you at age 10. I didn't understand what they asked. They spoke Cantonese after all. But I did really miss my mom and dad. After those three torturous days had ended, I wanted nothing else but to be back in the comfort of my own home. To see my family, to see my bed, but most of all, to be comforted from the most depressing point in my life at the time. And as my class walked through the school gates to be dismissed, I saw him, my father, my loving dad, who obviously came to pick me up from school with that all too familiar Nissan car. And at that moment, I knew it would be all right, but it wasn't. When we were dismissed at 3.30, he was gone. He had left me at the gates and I couldn't understand why. So as the tears welled up in my face, as my feet shambled to the side of the pavement, I cried as the rest of my class were escorted hand in hand with their mothers and fathers. I still loved my dad, I think. He left because he had an urgent phone call and had to rush home without me. This was the first time I was abandoned, but it was not the last. About a year later, on July 1st of 2017, my family and I were celebrating Hong Kong's Establishment Day on Uh, by standing at Victoria Harbor and watching the fireworks. Then it started pouring and drowning the streets. Here, I already wanted to go home. I was hungry, wet, shivering from the evening chill, and I just really wanted to go to bed. And then finally, finally, we got onto the 962B back home, and I just allowed myself to drift off to sleep. Waking up slowly, I pry my eyes open, sort of groggy from the uncomfortable sleeping position, and look around, see what I missed. And strangely, I thought, no one's here. The bus is still moving, but there's no one on the top deck, not even my loving parents. So I stand there, in the middle of the dark bus, drinking in the novelty of, I'm about to be murdered, because this is a horror movie when suddenly the bus comes to a stop at a terminal and I warily get off. Gradually, I come back to my senses enough to check my phone. Immediately, I see it's now midnight and that I have 17 missed calls. Now, this is the second time my parents have abandoned me. The first time, as I told you, I broke down hard. And this time, After the pain I felt the first time, I was not that fussed about it, actually. Why did this happen? Well, when it was our stop, my parents looked around and didn't see me. My head was covered by the seat in front of me when I was sleeping. They were tired and just wanted to go to sleep too. So they had assumed I had gotten off the bus already. But when they got onto the street, they saw I wasn't there at all. I was still having sweet summer dreams on the top deck. They go home ASAP, get into the car and try and find me. After all that, the horror movie-esque wake up, the standing around hoping for a rescue, the past trauma of being left behind, when I saw the two headlights of that all too familiar Nissan car steaming towards me, I knew it would be all right. So yeah. My parents are caring. They are loving. Just not that attentive.
0: Thanks for listening to today's stories brought to you by Hong Kong Stories. The music for this podcast was written and performed by Andrew Robert Smith. Everyone has a story to tell.